Talking to some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is the Artist Interview at Christmas. And welcome to this week's episode of the Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to bring to you from around the world of contemporary Christian music, worship, and other genres, some of the most talented, gifted artists, and in this case, producers in the world. And I'm very pleased for the very first time on the show to be introducing you in a moment to none other than Tommy Prophet. But before we meet him, let's hear this first track. This is Go Tell It On The Mountain. Go Tell It On The Mountain, featuring Crowder. Hey, Tommy, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Really well, thank you very much. Yeah, really, really well. It's great to have you on the show. Now, you are a huge name in um, the music business. I suppose for some of the UK audience, I should say this is Tommy Prophet, the producer, not Tommy Prophet, the English boxer who uh, was in the 1948 Olympics. So, um, no, totally different <laughs> Tommy Prophet. This guy's a lot younger. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally different than that guy, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and you, you've got less letters in your surname. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> Tommy, for those people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, I'd like to understand about your journey with both Jesus and your journey in music and a bit about what it is you do day to day as well. So the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, well, no, that's cool. They all, they all go together really well. So um What's funny is I just realized this the other day when I was eight years old, I was sitting in my parents' basement. It was a dark, it was kind of like this, actually. I've recreated this. Uh, it was a very dark, um, unfinished cement basement. And I would sit in with headphones on and I was just programming MIDI tracks and instrumental tracks on my parents' computer. And I was making albums and we would sell them at my church and my school, you know, to friends and stuff for like $3. And I mean, the short version of the story is 30 years later, I'm essentially doing that exact same thing. Uh, but, you know, resources and tools have come a long way in the last 30 years. Instruments sound better now, you know, on the computer. Um, but yeah, dude, when I was in college, I started writing worship music and I started leading worship and traveling with a band and we would play in churches and conferences like all over the country. And that was kind of my main thing. And I did that for... I mean, almost 15 years. And then once me and my wife started having kids, it got really hard to be gone on the road that much. You know what I mean? And so we just kind of prayed. I was, I remember actually there was a very specific like moment for me where I prayed to God. I was like, Hey, I appreciate the options that I have here. I could work at a church. I could travel with my family. I could, you know, I had, I had like four or five different paths to choose between and they were all in music, you know, but, uh, I was like, I didn't, I was really bad with making decisions and I'm like, I can't decide what I want to eat at a restaurant. How am I supposed to decide which career path to take? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I prayed that, that God would just help make that decision, you know? And, uh, I, I got home and my wife was like, literally i got home from uh praying this in the car my wife was like hey i found this house there's this basement you could build a studio and what if you started recording for other people and she was almost like describing one of those paths that i had just prayed about right and i was like that's crazy what are you talking about and so we built a studio and i started I, that's the path you know i went down and doors started opening left and right from there and it was almost like as soon as i kind of got out of the driver's seat and ask God to start driving. He was, you know, he was going 80 miles an hour on the sidewalk on the side. And I'm just looking out the passenger window with, you know, with my jaw dropped, you know, and he kind of took the, took the wheel from there. But that's, that's kind of how I got 
<clears throat> into the industry from doing it, you know, for, you know, years and years and years. Um, but what's cool about that is, uh, through those doors, I, I, I got kind of into a bunch of do, doing a bunch of TV and film music, like cinematic music for movie trailers and TV shows. And so, you know, I kind of was, I don't know, I was just figuring out different paths going from worship music to all of a sudden making music for TV and film and different artists. And you know what I mean? That was kind of a, a fun journey to that, figure out. And, well, so a, a wonderful thing to have come your way. Uh, yeah, yeah. The way that God opens and closes doors is fantastic. But I've, I've got to rewind time for a little bit if I can, because you shared such a... I know, a, I just jumped right into it. <laughs> but that's okay. No, it was good. So, but, so go, going back then, did your parents always take you to church? Would you say you don't remember a time that you weren't a, a, a Christian? Or was there one of those moments when you went, I'm, I'm all in, this is for me. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church and my parents very like heavily encouraged me to play in church. Even when I was a kid, like I would play the piano for, you know, the offertory and stuff like that. And they said, you got to use your talents for God. And I was like, I, when I was a kid, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was like, what do you mean? How is this, how is playing at our church? Using, how is that? for God. I, I didn't understand it, you know, Yeah. but it was cool that they were implementing that foundation in me really young. So as I got older, I started leading worship at the church and I had people mentoring me and mentoring my heart and developing a heart, like a worship leader's heart and what that meant. You know what I mean? More than being a performer, you know what I mean? Yeah. But serving yeah. God and serving people. And so I just had really amazing people that surrounded me always that poured into me, taught me how to do things, showed me how to do things, walked through things with me. Um, that was, that played a huge part in shaping who I am even now and things that I want to give back to people in a similar way. You know what I mean? That are trying to, you know, do certain things. And, and are your parents uber musical? Cause I think you said, I may have misheard the age. I thought you said when you were eight, you were in your parents' basement on their computer doing midi track stuff and uh, uh, that's not no. the average average age that people <laughs> be doing that sort of thing right right right. yeah they're not it was we, there's uh no other musicians i think my grandpa was pretty he was musical he played um the guitar and the banjo and stuff like that but not professionally um so i think they just saw that i had this big interest in music and they were just always very supportive so they like say hey he likes music let's let's get this music software on the computer and see if he likes that. And I just like took it and just ran with it. And I was clicking away and they're like, man, he likes that. All right, let's, let's buy a CD burner. Actually, before that we had a cassette burner or not a burner cassette recorder, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where I would record my music on a cassette and we'd listen to it in the car. And I just, that blew my mind that something music that I made in the basement we could listen to it while we were driving around in the car. I mean, it's, we've come so far from there. It's, that sounds silly, but at the time, you know, it's like you had to go to the store and buy a cassette in order to listen in your car. You can't just play your own music in your car. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So they, they always supported me in that way of like, let's buy a CD burner so he can burn his CDs and sell them and then pour back into his music, you know? And I kind of had this little, business slash ministry going even when I was 10 years old you know what I mean that's amazing that is yeah. that is really cool and uh, I certainly do remember cassettes so I've, I've still got <laughs> yeah, boxes yeah, yeah. boxes of them and and nothing to play them on but they're sort of things that are precious I've got some delirious on tape for, for a start so oh yeah yep. or, or in fact it's from before they were delirious but anyway right so okay so you're obviously very gifted in music it just came naturally to you instruments what instruments do you play them uh my main instrument is the piano so i've always been you know my parents bought me a, a piano that's what started it all they bought me a little tiny keyboard for christmas and it was literally like you know 14 keys long like really small um just just randomly they bought that for me um before i showed interest in music <clears throat> and that's where we all discovered it you know i would like i was on it okay. i was on it eight hours a day like just playing melodies i would listen to the like things on tv and then try to learn it by ear and just write songs and i just 
I never stopped playing that keyboard, you know? So we just kept buying bigger ones, you know, over the years. And, uh, yeah, it was, so I've always, I'm, I'm just a, a piano player first and foremost. Well, it's clearly a really important gift to have and to, it sounds like you practiced it loads. So which yes, it's <laughs> got, it's got, got to be one of the reasons you've got, you got where you got today by, by graft, I guess. So looking at your teenage years then, uh, was it all plain sailing with the church? Uh, often people, when they get to their teens go, church isn't so much for me, but it sounds like you were really surrounded by people who were inspirational and, and really cared about you and stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't have that phase where I, you know, went away. I think I, I dug deeper into the church and I was, I was trusted in leadership positions pretty young. Um, yeah, I went to a smaller church, so, you know, maybe 200 people. And so I took those responsibilities very seriously, you know, and when I was the worship leader for the youth group in high school, I took that very seriously, you know, and I tried to, <laughs> I tried to have the band who was also youth group students. I tried to instill seriousness in them, <laughs> take this seriously, you know, and I think it's hard for, you know, teenagers to really make that like their main thing, you know, that they care about a lot and show up early and stay late for practice, you know? Uh, but to me, it was like, it was like what I lived for. I mean, doing, <clears throat> not just doing music, but just seeing the importance and value of wanting, wanting to see the students that were my age on fire for God. You know what I mean? Like I had a desire yeah. for people to, to, be on fire for God, you know? And so, yeah, and it, you know, with us as musicians, one way that we could <clears throat> hopefully stoke that fire and just be a part of things was, you know, by leading worship and encouraging people to, you know, w worship and be a lot, you know, just pour into their relationship with God and, and teach them that it's more than just when you're at youth group. It's more than just when you're at church on Sunday, or it's not just these, yeah. you can't just say these words that are on the screen and it, there's no connection in and of itself just there. You know what I mean? But making these words prayers in our life, like that's, that's where it becomes real. So, yeah, I think I just, I really loved it. And I really, you know, poured into that a lot. And that was, that was a huge part of my, my story, you know, as, yeah. as far as going into even when I had a band and we traveled and, and led worship, you know. That's so cool. So you mentioned about, you called it college, we'd call it university, just to do a bit of translation for yes. audience. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank what, you. What, what, did, what did you study uh, at, at college? I studied um, actually half music theory and half like um, digital media is what it was called. So it was audio production, basically. So exactly what I'm doing now. I mean, recording in the studio, microphones, signal flow, all of that stuff, mixing and mastering, and as well as theory and oral perception, oral dictation, you know what I mean? Like all of the, the theory, the nerdy yeah. theory stuff. So I kind of got both. I got music and recording together. And actually, so I went to a small Christian college in Grand Rapids. It was called Grace Bible College. Um, it's now called Grace Christian University. And they just had an amazing worship arts program that was half music, half recording, but geared towards ministry and worship leading as well. It's kind of like the perfect program for me. Um, and it was a very small university. And so... You know, there were only a couple kids in my class, literally. So I had this whole recording studio. And they were all out hanging out, being college kids. And I had this whole studio like to myself all the time. You know what I mean? I, there weren't like, we didn't have to sign it out and wait our turn and only get two hours for the week. I mean, I, I like slept, yeah. I slept in that studio and then went to class the next morning. Like I was in there till 5 a.m. every night recording and worship. <laughs> Or recording um, this worship album that I did when I was in college and just writing. And um, I've always been pretty, I've, I've always been pretty in, intensely driven all or nothing when it comes to music, you know. It's probably a good thing because it's so central to what you do. So let's find out about the traveling first then. 
Yeah. So, so with this band, you finished your uni course, and then straight from university, you had a band and you started touring. Is yeah, like well, while I was a student, I started touring while I was a student, and the band was other friends, students, you know, from the same university, and so we traveled and played all over the place. Um, and then once I graduated, I just continued. So I kind of, I kind of built up like a, a foundation of like, you know, just our band and traveling and worships and stuff while I was a student. So that when we graduated, we already, I mean, we had a lot of stuff going already. We had two albums by that point. You know what I mean? Okay. That's, that's pretty good going. Yeah. And, and they were, you know, while I was a student, I was recording at the, at the college, like in the studio, um, writing songs with my friends there and leading chapel at the university. We were, you know, the worship leaders at the chapel. And so I was just very involved in the school, you know? And so then once I graduated, um, I actually worked at that university for a couple of years as well, continuing to work with worship students, music students, leading in chapel, as well as traveling with my band. So it kind of all was like this very cohesive, like, environment it was really really such a cool story i feel like god really kind of just created this situation to allow me to do a bunch of things you know that were all in that same bucket um but yeah i got married and my wife would come with me on the road some of the time you know you know as we started getting married where, where did you meet her at uni i met my wife in high school oh okay what age and was so that we, uh i was probably 16 when we met 15 oh that's sweet so we started dating and we did long distance for a while because i was in i you know my the school was um two hours away from where we lit where we were from so we did long distance for a while and then we got married and she moved out to grand rapids and then um yeah like just traveling with wives you know just sometimes where you know with our band we weren't at the level of like great accommodations <laughs> okay so we were like oh yeah we're just going to these people's houses and sleeping on the basement floor you know or like you know staying in this attic of a church you know we were just kind of making it work but as we had wives and they started having babies like it just wasn't really the best uh you know accommodation so <laughs> that's it started getting a little harder you know just to yeah being gone and and stuff like that so that's when i was really faced with that crossroad of like man what should i do should i you know just kind of pick a home church and be the worship leader at the church or keep traveling and figure out ways to bring them on the road or build a studio, you know, all of that. So lots, lots of crossroads, lots of places you, you could potentially have gone. And I knew it would be music. Yeah. I knew it would be music in some, some way. I just wasn't sure exactly, you know, what I was supposed to do, like which path I was supposed to go. But, but your wife found a house that had the opportunity to build yourself a studio and to record it. Now, I don't know at that point how, how connected you were to everyone because you said you've been touring for a while had you at that point built up enough connections that people knew your name in the industry and you could say oh, i'm doing this now come and come and get involved or how did that happen you know all the best questions to ask i don't know how you knew to ask that but that is the best question and i'll tell you why because i did not i mean people knew me from doing my own music traveling and doing worship leading that's what they knew me for kind of you know locally in small pockets around the country, but it wasn't like, you know, we weren't known all over the country. Right. We weren't like that level. So I had never recorded other people. I just always recorded my own music. Just that's just what I had always done. Yeah. I recorded my band's albums. They were, you know, my albums. And even as a kid, I recorded my own music and it never even crossed my mind. Like, Oh, what if I recorded for other people as a, job like i just it didn't even cross my mind so i kind of moved on faith in that studio thing it's like what if i work really hard and try for you know a couple of years to build up you know where i can do enough projects you know and and go full-time producing in the studio and the night before we started building because you know converting your basement into a studio is kind of a 
it's kind of a commitment. You're like, okay, now this is a studio. You don't have a basement anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's kind of a big thing. So I prayed that night. I said, God, I really think this is kind of where you're leading. I said, just please, just like, let me know. Like, give me confirmation before we demolish my basement tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, just show me, like, make sure that this is, if it's what you want, I want to do it. I just want to make sure I'm not just foolishly wrecking my house. And I went to sleep. We were actually at a camp we were playing at. The next day, we were going to drive home and just start demolishing my house. So I woke up that next morning, and we had to go to sound check. But I I looked at my phone, and I had an email from a lady randomly. And she was like, hey. I've been praying about making an album for years and I just never felt good about asking someone and you keep coming to my mind and I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you, like, do you record other people? Like, do you have a studio that you record? Cause I would love for you to produce my album. Wow. And I was like, all right, you didn't have to, you didn't have to like be so obvious God, but I appreciate that. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Like, okay. So this is a thing. People are looking for producers. And so, Demolished the house, built the studio over a couple months. And this is the craziest part, man. This is not an exaggeration at all. And I have, I take, I can't take any credit for it. That's why I love telling the story. Like, uh, it was the summer, it was June 1st of that year. And I had like, um, the whole summer was off from like, you know, I worked at the college that I, I went to and graduated from, but I had summers off. So I started working Monday, June 1st. And I'm like, I'm going to work really hard this summer and the next couple of years and try to build a producing job. And so I went into the studio June 1st. First, I don't even remember what I did. But by Friday, June 5th, I had nine months worth of bookings lined up for recording. Mm-hmm. And they were all random people that were emailing me out of nowhere from different states that found me randomly. And, and remember, up to this point, I had never even been asked, do you record other people's music? Like, do you re- would you record my music? I've never been asked that ever. And then all of a sudden, this one week flooded in people from South Dakota and New York and Florida and Ohio and people in Michigan. And I scheduled out like one album every month for the next nine months. And I had to quit all my other jobs. And it was like instantly full-time in five days and i never told anyone that i was even building that studio never told it i I didn't promote it i didn't talk about it on social media like i didn't even share that i was doing it yet and it just what what year year was this tommy this was this was 2013 10 years ago okay that's amazing and it was just it was so weird for me like it was such a god thing that was like if he like kind of has this plan for you and you just are obedient and do it, even though you don't know what's beyond the first action step, like having, having nine months of bookings like that, that brought a lot of peace to an otherwise pretty scary situation, you know, changing everything over to something that I wasn't sure how it would go. You know what I mean? And once, once people started coming in and recording with you, obviously you've got you got the bookings so you feel like god's in it but how did the process go did did people go i'm really glad but you this has gone really well or was there like that teething period where you're going i'm having to just try and work out how i do all this uh, what was it like no i felt i felt pretty comfortable by that point because i had already been you know but at that point i was you know 28 and so i had done music recording for 20 years it was just okay. my own projects but I would take projects that stretched me a little bit. You know, I kind of did one thing with my music where, whereas, you know, now all of a sudden I, I have a rock band coming in, you know, and it's the same idea. I know how to record good quality, but like just producing rock, I would, I would have to learn it. You know what I mean? And rappers were coming in and uh, acoustic folk, you know, artists would come singer songwriters, like all different kinds of genres. So I was stretching myself here and there. Um, but overall, like, yeah, it just, it went really well and it was fun hanging out with new talented people and just, we were really, um, inspired creatively together to make something and they, 
they loved it. You know, I mean, it was like a really good experience. So when when was the first booking when you went, wow, this is really working. So, so with someone who's a, a known name and who was it? Well, what's funny is, so a lot of people know my story is they associate me with NF, the rapper, artist, NF. Yep. And so back then he was not NF. He was just Nate, my friend from Michigan. I didn't know him that well back then either, but he was from Michigan. So that was June, right? June of 2013 that I built the studio and I was recording. In July of 2013, one month later, Nate texts me and says, hey, man, I'm in town uh, randomly one night. I'd love to hang out if you want. And I almost responded with, oh, man, I got this guy's album from South Dakota that I got to finish. I don't I don't have time to hang out. You know what I mean? But instead of saying that, I felt kind of like I could use a break a night to just kind of hang out for fun, which I didn't do often ever. <laughs> but for some reason, I did that night. Nate came over and I was like, Hey, I built a new studio. And, and he's like, dude, this is awesome. Let's, let's play around. And we recorded a song kind of just for fun. Um, but that song, you know, two months later, that song was on the desk of Capitol records and they were interested in him as an artist. Me and him went to Nashville together, did his showcase and he got signed and they were like, so who's this guy? He does all your music. And Nate's like, yeah, I only want to do this if I can keep working with Tommy. And so I kind of came along for the ride. They signed me as a writer. And then that's that's kind of what opened the doors. But it wasn't like, oh, I got to work with this big artist, NF. It was like, hey, my buddy Nate is coming over. And then it became a thing as we worked together. You know what I mean? So yeah, once I was kind of in that system... You know, I got to work on a lot of cool projects with you know, Toby Mack and David Crowder and a lot of people that I listened to, you know, as my inspirations in music when I did worship stuff or growing up listening to Christian music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One, wonderful people, really talented musicians. Uh, for those people who don't know, if you're, if you're slightly older, you may not know who NF is. But if you're younger, you're going to go, NF, that is seriously cool because NF has... Uh, approaching 16 million monthly listeners on Spotify, a huge name, very talented, really great musician. So, so, and the other people you mentioned as well, really top-notch people that definitely we play a lot of on the station here in the UK that I work on. Um, I'd love to know a bit about uh, about what the projects are that you're working on when we've played this next track from you first. So, so the next track we've got uh, from you, it's it's from the album that you did, isn't it? Your your 2020 album. Um, what was the album called? Yeah, so I I I wanted to make this Christmas album since 2005, and I knew that one day I would make this big Christmas album, and it was like gonna be like my my main big thing that I do in my life, like. I, and so there's a lot of pressure around that. So it, I was just kind of writing ideas and dreaming of it for 15 years. And then in 2020, um, I got to finally make that Christmas album and it's called the birth of a King. And it's basically this big cinematic concept record of, you know, a King being born to save the world, which is an epic synopsis and deserves an epic soundtrack to go with it. Right. And so it's very movie sounding, but it's also has some, you know, modern production stuff. And every song has different uh, featured singers on the, the music. That's kind of how that's what I do now. I focus on the music and producing the cinematic music. And I use other people who are amazing vocalists to collaborate with to <clears throat> to make these songs really you know come to life. And so this song, Noel, I think, you know, after I made that record, Two years later, we did a big live performance of it last December. And so this recording is the, I think the live version uh, that we recorded um, that's, that just came out this year. Okay. So, so this is this version of Wells, the updated version of it. Who's featured on this? So this song came from uh, in 2013, I was actually leading a Christmas service at a church and we rehearsed on, you know, the night before and we went to bed and I woke up that morning. And we were going to do the first Noel, but all of a sudden I had this like chorus in my head. I like just was singing it like almost the entire thing was just there instantly. And so 
as I'm like brushing my teeth, you know, and doing my hair, I'm like hearing this course in my head and I'm like scratching it down while I'm getting ready. And I wrote it down. I scribbled it down and wrote the chord charts above it. I gave it to the band that morning. I was like, Hey guys, we're going to do this this morning. We kind of rehearsed it that morning right before we did it. And I, I was like, man, this is a really special course. Like I'm going to hold on to it. And whenever I do that Christmas album that, you know, I've been dreaming about forever, I'm going to hold on to this until that moment, you know? And so I, I held on to this song for probably seven years. And then when it was finally time to make this album, uh, I knew that, you know, this guy Stenaj and he's a singer songwriter from LA. He's an artist that I met just over the years working with different artists. And, uh, He's one of the best vocalists I've ever heard in my life. He's just unbelievable. And so I asked him, he's kind of what started it all with this album. I started it and I asked him if he would sing on this song and he loved it. And he just, he makes this song. I mean, it's it's him and this song are, I mean, the song wouldn't work it's the same without him. You know what I mean? Noel by Tommy Prophet and amazing singer Sinaj. Thanks, Tommy, for all that you've shared so far. You know, absolute inspiring story of the way that God opened up opportunities and when things weren't going to work by carrying on the direction you at, your life had come to the point where actually God needs to show you what, what was the plan, what was the next step, and then the way that all those all those clients came into play uh, just miraculously and you took the step of faith in in <laughs> pulling apart your house to, to to do what you didn't know was going to happen it's lovely it's really inspiring and if it's okay i'm just going to pray for listeners right now yeah i thank you father god that you are trustworthy i thank you that you see uh, us right from our very first breath right to our very last one and i thank you that you have good plans for us i thank you that tommy's shared about the journey that you've taken him on as he's followed you and as he's prayed about things you've opened and closed doors and i want to pray right now for all of us i just want to pray that you'll help us whatever our situations might be to stay fully submitted to you to keep you as the king and I want to pray for those people who maybe they aren't sure. Is, is, is there a God there? Is there not? I want to pray, Jesus, that right now they'll know that you hear them. And I pray that you'll help us to listen to your voice, to see your prompts, and to follow your ways. Thank you that you're trustworthy in all things. Amen. Amen. So, Tommy, you've talked just a little bit about the album, The Birth of the King, which became an amazing uh, performance live. So you, you put together the songs, you knew what you wanted to do. Tell us a little bit about the first time that happened. How did you put the whole thing together and what was it like? Well, I'll tell you this, that you you mean the live concert thing that we did? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. Like, after I made that album, you know, there's 20 artists on the album. It was this big cinematic thing. <clears throat> I always, as I was even making the album, I was like, man, this needs to be experienced live. Like that's kind of the way it's meant to be heard. Right. It's like in a big, big live setting with an orchestra and a massive choir and all these artists. And I'm like, that's impossible though. We can never pull that off. And as a matter of fact, I told a lot of people just on my team, like about it, like, what do you think about this? And they all, yeah, that'd be impossible to pull together. Logistically alone would be a nightmare, you know? And so, yeah somehow uh we just started dreaming about it and say let's just i said let's just start planning and see what kind of roadblocks we run into and 
we just kind of hit smooth payment the entire way. And all these artists were agreeing and we found this orchestra and we had a hundred, a hundred person gospel choir sign up in just a matter of hours and everything was ready to go. And then I had, I was like, we got to record this. Obviously the point is like, let's do a live album and film it, do a live video project. So we had this camera crew who's like just the best in the world, audio production crew to record everything just kind of lined up perfectly. And I was like, well, what just happened? We got this whole thing lined up now. Like, (laughs) do we do this? Like who, who's going to come? What if no one comes? Like I, I'm, I'm not really known for like selling tickets. You know what I mean? That's a whole nother world that you have to grow and build. It's a, you know, it's a side thing. Like I, I sit in my, my house in my sweatpants and make music. Who's going to pay tickets to, you know what I mean? And putting that together, I'm like, it's, that's expensive. You know, we we can't sell $5 tickets or we, or else, you know, (laughs) we can't pay. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do? And everyone was like, man, yeah, it's going to be hard. Like there's a lot of competition, like, maybe we shouldn't do it and all this stuff. And I was just all this doubt, doubt, doubt. And in my gut, dude, I just felt like for some reason, I feel like God is wanting me to do this, even though it doesn't make sense on paper. And I know that sounds like anyone that wants to do something creatively, they could, you know, affirm it with, I think God wants me to do it. But this was almost like, I almost didn't want to do it, but I felt like I should, like God is like, using this Christmas album, which is funny because you don't normally think of the Christmas album as being this like powerful ministry tool, but I've had just people have messaged me from around the world of how God like in tears with chills, the way God is in these different songs and stuff. And, and it's a cool way for me to still be involved in, you know, my background and my worship ministry and all this stuff. It's all kind of putting put together in this one thing and it's all lined up. So I decided to do it. I was like, all right, let's just announce it and go on sale. And then um, it sold out in less than 24 hours, four months before the event. And we were all <laughs> shocked. And again, that was a thing that was like a God thing. It's like, I I did not do anything to, to make that happen. You know what I mean? I, I We didn't market or promote it. It just kind of happened by announcing it on social media. And so we just did it. And it was like the most special night that I've ever been a part of, man. It was unbelievable. And you know, the way it turned out is like probably my favorite thing that I think I might ever work on. Wow. So so maybe I'll just be done after this. I don't know. (laughs) What what, what was, what was the venue? It was at the Fisher center. Uh, That's one of the Belmont university venues in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Just a big, beautiful, uh, brand new building that they just built how how many how many people does it does it seat then i think it seats it's about 1700 okay so it's not it wasn't a massive you know arena but for the recording it was it was perfect it's just such a beautiful building and it goes goes up like four there's four balconies and there's a big like dome at the top like window glass thing (laughs) it just looks it looked un unbelievable superb sounds 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 like something that i shouldn't have missed i apologize um so i i but i i didn't know it was on that's the truth so which yeah yeah yeah. which year was that that was last year okay so great timing because after the pandemic had all died down people were desperate to go and see some great stuff and you put it on and sounds like it was really successful and you recorded it but i've never seen a recording of it so so what happened to the recording of it the recording, well, you know, we recorded it and then I spent eight months working on that recording, editing, mixing the video, all that stuff. So obviously it wouldn't make sense to put that out in the summer. Oh no. So we're waiting and it, it's actually, it actually came out um, this year, November 10th uh, at Christmas time. And so it's kind of a Christmas, like the Christmas project for this year. And it's, it's on YouTube. You can watch the full concert film on YouTube and Spotify and Apple music and anywhere that you, you know, watch all that stuff. Um, and we're doing a, another live show this year um, at the Grand Ole Opry. So we're getting to do it again, wow. kind of bigger, better. We're doing a 200 person choir this year. And 
we're just kind of going all out. And so I'm Come super on. excited about that. Okay. So that, that will have happened on December the 4th, 2023, just to put a marker in the sound for people who listen to this in the future. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's the, that's the date for it. So, um, so you can watch though last year's one. Is it behind the, the paywall? Is it premium YouTube or can anyone access it? No, I kind of wanted this just to be accessible for everybody. It's a special project to me. I'd rather share it with as many people as possible than just pay to watch it and you know minimize the audience so it's uh free on youtube to watch the whole thing wow okay so what's, what what do people search for to find it uh you can search uh the birth of a king live in concert okay the birth of a king and it'll, it'll be about an hour and a half long on my uh, youtube channel wow okay so that that's that's a good christmas treat to go and enjoy because the album I have loved a superb album, but I can only imagine it's even mm. more powerful to be able to see it on stage with all those people. So, so in the album, you've got people like We The Kingdom. So people that, that my audience will be familiar with, We The Kingdom, um, Torrin Wells, uh, Carrie Joe, Chris Tomlin, big, big names on, on the album. Also some names I, weren't, I wasn't expecting. Avril Lavigne. Yep. Why is, why is Avril Lavigne on your album? It was like my goal in life to get Avril Lavigne and Chris Tomlin on the same album. You know what? And sometimes you just got to do it <laughs> yourself. Uh, no, I had been working with Avril on some stuff at the time. And I was making this Christmas record. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this Christmas album. Uh, what do you think about doing? I got this like cool, dark version of What Child Is This? I think you'd sound amazing on how you feel about it. And she was just like, yes, 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 yes. She said, I love, I love Christmas music. She goes, that's how I got into music, singing Christmas carols growing up. And I've always wanted to do a Christmas album someday. Um, I would love to be a part of it. And so she recorded that song on it and she sounds amazing. And it was, yeah, it was so awesome having her be a part of that. Wow. But yeah, what's cool about the album is there's a, there's a bunch of different artists on there. It's not just christian artists or christian music you know it's a bunch of people that do cinematic music a bunch of people that do christian music there's some mainstream artists it kind of like just brings everyone together for this full story it's it's kind of cool it is very very cool so you mentioned christmas you've mentioned you've got kids how, how many kids have you got i have three kids they're 11 9 and 6 so Christmas is a big deal at our house. You know, they're right there at those ages. Christmas would be, yeah. It's super Yeah, 100%. Fun. Yeah, we love it. So what what is the thing you're most looking forward to then for this Christmas? So I started doing this thing a few years ago where uh, the week before Christmas, I take off work and we just have like a staycation. We call it Daddy Christmas Week. Cause I, just because I don't, I don't have to work Nice, and, and they they get excited about that. So all week we just spend time as a family and we, you know, we make Christmas cookies. We watch Christmas movies. We go for Christmas light drives. We do Christmas crafts and activities. And I, you know, every day I bring them a little, some little, not gift, but something, you know, from my car. I like to have everything hidden in my car and I'll like bring the daily, you know, whatever it is, it, sometimes it's like a coloring book or a stuffed animal or something. And we just, we just have like an incredible, like I'm trying to, you know, when you're a kid, you have these memories of Christmas and these nostalgic things that you remember, you know, and I just wanted to have lots of memories for my kids when they grow up of just being at home as a family, doing all this stuff together. Um, <clears throat> so that's like a highlight in our house for sure. That's something I'm looking forward to. That's a lovely thing so i like that very much and you're totally right i'm sure it'll make some good memories something that i used to do with, with my kids the first saturday in december we would have a day that we would call here comes christmas and we would have there were four girls in our church anna emma joe and louise i mentioned their names because they're probably listening right now i just want to say thanks guys you made christmas <laughs> special and they would come around and they would dress up and then my kids were little and we would spend time doing decorations and then we'd spend time 
doing some games. We spent the whole day was just around the fact that we wanted to celebrate that Christmas was coming and having that little special time together yeah. just made the whole season just that just that bit of couldn't afford a whole week but did make a day of it. But it sounds wonderful to be able to have a week and and to treasure yeah. that time with your family. So that's awesome. I can I can imagine it's good. So okay. Um and what is it you like most about the Christmas day itself? What's your favorite part of the meal for a start? Oh man. <clears throat> I'm not really you know how on Thanksgiving everyone has turkey and they're like, oh, Thanksgiving dinner. And then, well, I, I I know that you guys do because we, we don't do Thanksgiving in the UK, so none of us <laughs> none of us get turkey. It's a real shame. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like the guy that's like, ah, all right, we have it. But I was trying to think of something. I I don't know. I the food is not the highlight for me. I think it's just seeing my kids so excited, and you know that, what it's like as a kid. You just live for that day, and it feels like forever to come back around just to be around and be present and watch their excitement and then be with them. Like, it's just a really good time to just a family time. You know what I mean? I'm just, as I'm getting older, especially too, it's like really the most, I mean, that's, that is the most important thing and instilling in them too over and over. Remember why we're celebrating guys, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> and you know, as a kid, it's, it's a, naturally about the presence. But it's creating that foundation, you know, that I talked about earlier that I had instilled in me with like playing in church and, you know, having people pour into me, just like getting to talk to them about what it's about and doing things for other people. And, you know what I mean? That That's like, that's really important to us. So how about after Christmas, the year ahead, what things do you think God's got for you? Oh, man, I have a really exciting year, uh, actually. Um, I have, I always have so many ideas and projects and I can't get to them all all the time, but I have like three or four projects that I want to do. You know, we didn't talk about it a lot in this interview, but a big thing that I do is um, making cinematic music for TV shows and movies. Yeah. You've, you've released so many albums. I can't just tell me one thing. How on earth did that happen? How did you start doing cinematic stuff? That was, that was random too. Like once, once I got to Nashville and I was signed as a writer, they kind of put me in a bunch of rooms with a bunch of different styles and artists and said, what else do you do? Try this, try this, try the country, pop, Christian worship, all this stuff. And one day they randomly said, uh, Hey, we're doing a TV film camp. Do you want to make music for that? And I didn't know what that was at the time. I was a camp. I'm not a camp. I'm very indoorsy. So I was like, I don't want to go camping. They're like, no, it's, it's like uh, when a bunch of people just get together and write for like TV shows and movie trailers and I was like, that's kind of my dream. Yeah, I want to do that. And so I made a few songs that week and they landed big trailer placements. And I was like, this is kind of what I want to do. So I kind of went into that. That's the very short version of it. But over time, all these songs that I'm making for TV and film, I've also released as albums um, under my name with different featured artists singing on them. And so those have you know, grown and, and gone out into trailers and stuff. And so there's a lot of within that, within TV, film, cinematic music, there's a lot of variety. And so you can do covers, you know, of songs, you can do just original songs for TV and film, you could do instrumentals, you can do a bunch of different stuff. And so over the next year, I have three or four different <laughs> cinematic projects that I want to work on. One being covers, you know, I have a lot of cover ideas, like trailerized covers of popular songs. Um, one project of like originals. And I kind of, I kind of want to do a project where I take like all the big famous, like movie theme songs, you know, and kind of redo them. Which ones? Give, give, give like, some examples of the ones. Like, you uh, don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon or my heart will go on from the Titanic but redoing them beautiful and current. You know, a lot of these songs from the 90s, you know, now they're nostalgic, but they might kind of sound cheesy if you play them now. Yeah. But doing like a modern aggressive orchestra with a big choir and some of these amazing singers, kind of similar to what I did for this Christmas album. I think that that could be a really cool uh, project because it's nostalgic and it just it would just be fun to change it up and do something like that. Songs from the movies or something, you know, like, yeah, a yeah. couple of Disney, you know, Lion King. I don't know. Can you feel love tonight? Like, I think that could be cool. Um, so, yeah, I got 
I got more notes and folders and files on my phone for ideas than I can ever actually execute them all. But I'm, I'm excited to dive through those in the next year and just see, see where I get in all of it, you know? So I've got to say that sounds very cool. And it's worthwhile people getting onto their favorite streaming platform and going and having a look at under Tommy, Tommy profit and seeing just all the different stuff that you've got available there. How, how many albums have you done in total? I think I have about probably 11 or 12. And, and two of those went platinum. One, one went gold. So they're, they're quite, they're quite big. Uh, and somewhere, somewhere was saying about how many streams you had had worldwide that I was reading. I went, that's a ridiculously big figure. Do you know how many streams you've currently had worldwide? Yeah. I, someone just actually told me this from capital. Uh, if you, they added streams and views, right? So views from YouTube videos and TikTok videos using my music. So views and streams total. Uh, was about 97 billion does that does, <laughs> which I, I can't comprehend that i just i hear it and i'm like that's insane that's that's not why i do it but that's that's crazy that 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 the, the music is used that much yeah you know I, I, that that is i, I it's, it's a <laughs> mind-bogglingly huge figure I, I how does it feel i mean it doesn't it doesn't feel different you know, I mean, I, I'm not just saying this as like a, a humble thing to say, like you learn really quickly that that stuff doesn't bring happiness or joy. That's not what it's for. Like if you chase that, I mean, it's just short lived. And if you look for some kind of like uh stat or number or award or whatever, then once you get it, you're like, Oh, and well, I'll just have to go for the next thing and the next thing. And you just kind of chase, you know what I mean? It's very, it's very empty if you're chasing those kinds of things, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. Okay. It, it is very true that like, I mean, it's, it's an honor that like the music's using, but I, I'm, I'm more excited and inspired now to just make new stuff and just, you know, creatively expressing new things. Um, That's, that's what I'm excited about. Not, a song from four years ago going viral on Instagram. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that sounds really healthy actually to be more, more excited about the projects you're working on rather than what other people necessarily think. Of yeah. Them. I- it, well, it just doesn't feel real. Like, like if I'm sitting here and I feel this and say my back hurts, for example. Okay. And I'm sitting here and then I get a phone call. I wasn't expecting. And someone says, Hey, your song just got 90 billion streams. I, my back still hurts. <laughs> like I'm still just sitting here. I don't feel different. It's cool to hear that number. And it's, it is something I'm thankful for, but like, yeah, like it doesn't, I don't know. You're just like, Oh, that sounds like, I don't know how to comprehend that. And it's out there. I'm in here and it's, yeah. things are happening out there, but it just, it feels kind of disconnected and distant in a way. And I'm like, well, I better make some more stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's but it sounds like your identity is not in your success musically. It sounds like your identity is grounded in other things, which is probably really, really healthy. Yeah. But I would I would like to ask though, and you've you've worked with such a range of artists. Who who have been sort of some of your favorites to work with and why? Oh man. I I genuinely just I love w- working with people and collaborating with all different artists. I mean, and it's also different. I love working with Nate, you know, NF. Uh, I love working with Crowder was one of the most fun people, you know, to work with. Uh, Avril is awesome to work with. I did a song with um, Josh Groban. He's a super amazing down to earth guy. Just love working with just, and everyone's so different. You know what I mean? Some people are like one thing, that you do they're like i love it perfect other people are like let's dig in for six weeks and make this perfect you know what i mean and it's all across the board just different personalities different but they all bring something so interesting and unique their artistry their voice what they're good at and um there's so many good people jordan smith is one of my favorite people on the planet to work with i don't do you know who jordan is i do not know jordan smith who's jordan he's He's a Christian music artist, but he he won The Voice oh, okay. several years back. That's pretty cool. Uh, and he's got an insane voice. And every time he comes, we just laugh so hard we can barely work. We're just 
we just laugh and do funny things and we get so sidetracked. So, I mean, that's kind of what it's about, right? It's like when we're here, just having such a good time and like having fun and not, you just can't take making music so seriously. You know what I mean? Some people it's like, they act like it's like life or death. And then we remember like when you step out of it, you're like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just making music now, not to, not to diminish how it can impact people's lives, you know, especially Christian music. But at the end of the day, you're making entertainment that some people will choose to listen to on their way to soccer practice with one AirPod in their ear, barely listening to the mix. You know what I mean? They And they're yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to it and they're loving it, but it's just the way we hyper-focus on things and get so serious. I try not to allow myself to, to get that <laughs> serious about it or else it strips the fun out of it, you know? You still want to enjoy what you're doing. You, you mentioned Crowder and you said he was really fun. When he came on the show, David Crowder told two stories which were possibly two of the funniest stories we've ever heard on the show when 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 you next see him uh ask him tell me the dr pepper story and then ask him tell me the story about when you went in the closet with your wife's shoes those are those are stories you do need to hear and and listener if you're if you're thinking you want to hear those stories as well you need to go and get on the podcast uh, go to your platform and search up the artist interview uh it's the one with the red logo and look for david crowder because those stories are epically funny he he's a hilarious so guy so so i just you mentioned funny he was yes. brilliant absolutely brilliant so okay people want to find out more about you if you've got a website where do people find you on social where's all that information at across the board you just search tommy profit but my name is spelled a little differently so that's the kicker it, tommy is actually spelled with two e's at the end instead of a y so Tommy Prophet is two M's, two E's, one F, two T's. If you remember that, then you're golden. One F, two T's. Yeah. And yeah, if you accidentally come across the boxer, it's the wrong Tommy Prophet. So that's yeah, yeah. two M's, two E's, one F and two T's. There you go. You got it. Everyone's got it now. It's easy. It's easy. So, so that's across all the platforms. So easy to find. Yep. So we've got time for just one last track from you. Uh, what's the track called? Tell us about it, Tommy. So this is also from the Christmas project. This is called uh, this is Oh Holy Night. And, you know, when I was making the cinematic Christmas project, I was like, how could we, what could we do different with this song? Oh Holy Night has been done by so many people, so many big people. And, they, and what I realized is it's always been a solo and it's all about that big note, right? On divine at the end. So I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I've never heard it as a duet. Like, what if I, what if I arranged it in a way where there's key changes throughout and it's a duet and there's two artists both singing at the top of their range at the end, but working backwards and figuring out how to get them there. So it's beautiful and powerful. And, you know, and so we got um, Torrin Wells, uh, who sings on this. He was at the show last year. This is the live version. And um, this girl named Circina who uh, is just one of the most incredible vocal talents I've ever worked with. And she's got a really soft, delicate, beautiful tone in the beginning, and then this crazy powerful belting tone later in the song. And so we got to utilize both of those parts of her voice. Um, so this is Torrin Wells and Circina uh, performing Oh Holy Night live.
And that was Oh Holy Night by Tommy Prophet. Thank you so much, Tommy, for spending time with us today on the artist interview, sharing a bit of your journey with Jesus and your amazing music as well. And there are so many other interviews that you can enjoy. Just get online to your favorite podcast platform and search up The Artist Interview. It's the one with the red logo. Subscribe, share it with a friend. There's so many blessings, great stories, and amazing music as well for you to enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me, Gordon T. I look forward to being your host on the next episode. You've been listening to The Artist Interview, a Hope FM podcast. Find us at hopefm.com forward slash The Artist Interview.